All right. Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to VUX World. I'm back to the old platform now. It's feeling a lot nicer and a lot better. You know, nice musical intro. We're going to have some nice transitions going on. I'm feeling good. Uh, and you should be feeling good because if you join us in March at the EU Chatbot Summit, you will learn a hell of a lot. VUX World is going to be hosting a full day of programming presented by Core AI two of which are joining me today, Raj and Prasanna. We're going to get into an epic conversation about large language models and the future of conversational AI creation and production. But if you will be anywhere near Edinburgh, and even if you're not going to be near Edinburgh, you should get yourself to Edinburgh in March on the 16th for VUX World at the EU Chatbot Summit. We've got Vodafone giving a keynote. We've got Love Holidays. Uh, we've got Decathlon. A whole bunch of enterprises are going to be sharing their insights in terms of how they have created assistants that are delivering immense business value. Vodafone is saving billions per year annually and globally uh, for, through uh, through Toby. Love Holidays is essentially turning its whole customer care strategy and revolving it around artificial intelligence because of the success of Sandy. Decathlon closed their call center and are now using asynchronous messaging through Facebook and Google My Business as their predominant channels. It is absolutely amazing stories that you're going to hear uh, at Edinburgh. And if you want to save some money on your tickets, here we go. You can go to theeuropeanchatbot.com and you can save 30% on your tickets. So you can use the code promo code VUXEU23. So please do that. All right. Without further ado, please welcome today's guests, Mr. Raj Kaneru, CEO of Core AI, and Prasanna Arikala, CTO of Core AI. Gents, welcome. Hey, Kane. How are you? Very good. Very good indeed. How are you? I'm good, good, good. Good, good. All good, Prasanna? All good, Ken. How are you? Perfect. Very good, very good. Thank you, uh, thank you both for joining me. Thank you for for your support in in VUX World over the the last year or so, and definitely excited to to build on this uh, during twenty twenty three. Excited to have you along at the EU Chatbot Summit, and uh, yeah, it's going to be a big year. Going to be a big year indeed. How how would you classify how the year has started, Raj, for Core AI? What's twenty twenty three looking like so far? Well, 2023 is one month in, and we're seeing tremendous demand to uh, optimize these uh, customer and uh, employee experiences. Obviously, the launch of ChatGPT has caught a lot of people's attention, and, and conversational AI is uh, one of the primary use cases for using LLMs like uh, ChatGPT or, or the underlying GPT-3 models. So there's a lot of uh, interest. Uh, from customers about what that can do for them. But more broadly speaking, in the conversational AI world, we, we saw demand climb significantly you know, throughout 2022. And given the macroeconomic factors, the need to save cost, to automate as much as they can, that's propelled the demand as well. So our pipeline has grown by 10 times in the last 12 months, basically, and it's continuing to grow at a rate of about 30 to 40% per quarter. So I think wow. the interest in conversational AI is very, very high right now. Definitely. Prasanna, how have you found the, uh, it seems to me as though ChatGPT has kind of like just given people this huge raise in expectations and now everyone wants some sort of version of ChatGPT. Have you noticed the same sort of thing? Are you having more str more conversations about trying to ground some of those expectations or, or what? Well, I mean, the... <laughs> 
it, it definitely has created a lot of uh, interest and uh, the art of the possibility sort of uh, bringing up the expectations. Um, you know, there's been a lot of conversations that I've been having with the customers, um, you know, potential customers and all asking questions about how it influences conversational AI, uh, what is good, what is bad about it and so on. So it's, it's a lot of exciting stuff. But the technology itself is definitely exciting because, uh, you know, LLMs have been there and we have been using LLMs for quite some time. But I think, um, you know, the advancements with uh, in the last uh, few months in terms of uh, how well the NLP tasks and conversational AI tasks can be performed with these LLMs, uh, that's been actually a, a significant uh, progress there. Mm, nice, yeah, nice. one element, Kane, we've, we've been actually working on this for over like six or nine months now. One of our large financial services customers, who's one of the largest names on Wall Street, uh, has been working with OpenAI uh, for over a year, and they've standardized on OpenAI. So we've been working with them to create uh, what we used to call Knowledge AI 2.0. Uh, so mm-hmm. we had a preview on what was going to come. And we uh, baked some of it into our platform around some elements of our platform. And now we are expanding that significantly. And this particular customer is actually using it in production for 35,000 financial advisors to get answers to questions from various sources where the conversational AI bot is built on our platform and we leverage OpenAI in the backend. Mm, nice. And in, in those use cases, is that, more, is that an agent assist Based use case is it a customer facing thing? It is a it is a use case where financial advisors ask questions of the bot, and the bot has uh, access to knowledge that has been inputted to the bot into our our, our platform, but mm-hmm. also has uh, a fine tuned model on OpenAI, basically. So it uses both our knowledge AI capability and OpenAI in parallel to come up with the more accurate answer for the question for the financial advisors. And the financial advisors are fielding those questions on behalf of their high net worth customers and, and retail customers, basically. So mm. that uh, capability went live without the use of OpenAI uh, previously. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And since then, we added OpenAI also as a element of that solution. And their uh, overall customer service desk has come down by like 80%, basically in terms of number of people, because the bot is getting most of what they needed answered like instantly correct. Mm, Nice. It seems as though that's that's kind of the sweet spot for LLMs at the minute. Prasanna, maybe you can kind of shed a bit of light on, on this, but it seems as though kind of maybe the expectation from from people who are just beginning to sort of have their awareness raised about this stuff, which is really good. I think that's what ChatGPT has done is it's, it's kind yeah. of moved the knowledge of conversational AI outside of those that are really passionate about it and put it into the hands of almost everybody, basically. <clears throat> and maybe the, 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 the trick, correct me if I'm wrong, and it'd be good to get your kind of thoughts on, on it, but the trick is, as Raj is explaining there, essentially coupling that LLM capability with other capabilities that you already have in order to kind of control and harness it a little bit more? Is that is that an accurate way of thinking about it? Absolutely, absolutely. I think, see, um, LLMs, they are built 
uh, for just basic language understanding tasks, whether it is uh, you know intent recognition, text generation, or entity extraction, summarization, those kind of tasks. But it's not a silver bullet because you know obviously uh, it's it's trained on whatever the training data that were, that it was given. So there could be bias in the training data, and there is no real-world context to the LLM so that you can adjust based on the, the enterprise business logic or the user preferences or the current context of the conversation so that you know it, it kind of adhere to what the enterprise needs that it cannot do. So even on NLP tasks, um, you know, because it doesn't have the real-time context and also uh, sort of the quality of training data, which we don't have visibility into, you can't fully rely on um, what what the outcome can be. But yes, I mean the the newer generation LLMs have done a good job in terms of the understanding. But the sweet spot, like you said, is you know how the LLMs do its job in terms of just giving the understanding pieces of it, and then let the conversational AI platform orchestrate the conversation by interacting with the enterprise APIs, enterprise data, user preferences, user context, all of that bring together and then, you know, uh, execute that within that context of the enterprise. Mm, makes sense. Uh, we've got a good conversation here from Barney, a good question from Barney, which is related to a question that I was, that I was, uh, that I was wanting to ask, which is, the LLMs, as you mentioned there, Prasanna, they don't fully understand the context of the business necessarily. And, you know, you, you can't rely on, on like an open AI, for example, to be doing those backend integrations to make functional things happen. So when it comes to more sort of like transactional use mm. cases of getting something done, and Barney's mentioned here, like resale, uh, retail, concierge and stuff like that. Um, it's questions related to avatars, but I want I will get to the avatars in a moment. But first, it'd be interesting to get your thoughts in terms of the role of large language models as it relates to transactional business processes, freeze my credit card, change my address, make a return, make a booking, like things that are adding like real measurable value to to a business process. Maybe Raj, maybe you can kind of kick off and Prasanna will get your thoughts as well. Like how are you thinking the role of large language models when it comes to that kind of transactional kind of use cases? Well, I mean, look, I think uh, OpenAI and ChatGPT uh have two things they they can understand something and they can generate something so the understanding piece like Prasanna said we're going to leverage that as much as we can by coupling it with the context and the knowledge about the business rules and the business uh, domain as well as the user conversation so we leverage that but the generation aspect of it is also important because it can generate a sample conversation between a user and a bot. It could be a retail bot. It could be a concierge bot. So you don't you don't have to start from scratch in designing a conversation. Now that conversation can be used to generate a flow, which we do basically already in our platform. Where today you have to manually enter the conversation design, and we generate a flow. Now the generated conversation design will generate the flow. But then when it comes to the flow, you have conditional branching, basically that go in one direction versus the other based on business rules. Now that is not something that LMs are aware of and that you build into the flow, basically, 
and 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 then be able to use the LLM to respond with the appropriate language, you know, to the user in terms of phrasing, basically in an empathetic manner or otherwise. So when you think about LLMs, you can use it on one side of the equation for the understanding piece, and you use the generation piece, you know, as required to make that conversation more fluid and more controlled and more conversational, essentially. And that's how we see it, basically, overall. Mm. Priscilla? Yeah. yeah, so, you know, if you take an example as simple as, uh, you know, ordering a pizza use case, right? So, you know, during the conversation, if, if the user says, do you do delivery? Now that, in LLM can just say yes or no, right? So as an answer. But then, you know, if you really took look up, think about it, the answer to that is dependent on, you know, where the user is calling from, whether you have delivery agents available at that point in time or not, you know, a uh, number of other things. So essentially, understanding that, yes, I mean, the user is asking a question in the context of that, and then getting that information to the conversational AI engine, and then conversational AI engine using that, uh, the real-time context of the business rules and all that, and then performing that is more important. Similarly, you know, uh, even if you take a, transaction tasks like you were saying right like reporting a fraud right so the business rule would say first you need to authenticate the user before even reviewing the transactions so uh, that's the role of conversational engine that that should handle it and similarly when you are talking about reviewing a transaction some amount of nlu can be leveraged uh, with the help of llm for example you know the user may say the first two transactions are mine um, you know, the last transaction is not mine. Like they can go back and forth while reviewing the transaction. But the actual transactions and, uh, you know, what the user is reviewing are actually coming from uh, the backend API systems. So it's always a combination that works to solve the problem. Mm, absolutely. Um, that's really good. We've got some questions, and I would say for those of you tuning in, it uh, looks like we've got quite a few people tuning in on LinkedIn. If you do want to ask any questions to Raj or Prasanna, stick them in the questions in the comments, and, and we will do our best to get to them. Um, so so it seems as though from what I'm hearing, you know, we have the large language models are some, so far being proven useful uh, for agents to help agents query things like knowledge bases and things like that. I can imagine that that would advance over time and that perhaps those kind of, once you can put put the right kind of controls around them, those things might start kind of seeping out into public use. If it, it's, a lot, it's a lot safer to do that kind of thing, isn't it? If you've got a set bank of knowledge and you're using the LLM to basically draw on that knowledge and extract the pieces of it which are more relevant, there's less risk there than having it kind of completely manage that fraud use case you were discussing there. Um, so, and then also having the the these LLMs play a role in the creation of a starting point, describing mm-hmm. the conversation, have it generate the conversation, and then perhaps also, as you explained in there, Prasanna, you need business rules and business logic that dictate when certain things should happen, but perhaps in, in, in that conversation, the large language models may help in maybe further understanding certain intents, perhaps maybe managing the conversation if it strays off out of scope or whatever it might be, um, which is, yeah, which, which makes, makes, makes total sense. Um, yeah, well, one, one element that can, I mean, uh, look, the large language models that everybody's focused on is open AI right now. And, 
right now that's not available in a private cloud or you know with uh, the ability to store that data appropriately so when you mix the two you know in a platform like core ai you know you have the ability to encrypt the data mask the data mask pii data things like that so while you're using llms for understanding and for some generation you also have to be careful about how do you keep the privacy and security of the data you know intact essentially that's also something that the conversational ai platform would do to only use the llm with generic input and get generic output basically as opposed to you know pii data being used as the input essentially so mm-hmm. there's an art to that to get it, get it right so you leverage it but you don't give up security and privacy in the process and in terms of roi you know it's the same roi right we're trying to automate these conversations basically now llms will get you there faster to market by making it easier from an understanding and generation standpoint but it doesn't improve the overall roi any much more than you would do otherwise without using an llm mm makes sense uh, and you thankfully thank you for that you you answered barney's second question and uh, ashraf's question there as well which is uh, which is great you should you should be in uh, in in this in this situation <laughs> doing the hosting <laughs> uh, yeah cool that that makes perfect sense that that that, that makes um that makes perfect sense uh, we so we've got a question from corbus corbus grayling shout out to corbus uh, what's your timeline and roadmap for making llms take a bigger part of the core ai runtime Yeah so we launched version 10 of the core ai exo platform a couple of weeks ago and uh, we added the ability to uh, use what we call a zero shot model which is essentially uh, the ability to use open ai you know uh, as a backend for understanding and then we created another model which i'm very excited about called a few shot model which doesn't use open ai which uses word embeddings from other sources and with very very little training which is which also can be generated by open ai and like 100th of the training that you would normally give prior to all of this basically you get very very high understanding results so our opinion is that on one end if you take the world before chat gpt was launched and llms came into the limelight essentially and you take the world now the world before required whether on our platform or other platforms some level of training some more than others to get to a, a certain level of accuracy what i call a curated model which is very well trained for a particular business use case for a set of intents and entities and everything else on the other end is like a zero shot model which is zero training whatever open ai understands you got to take it and that's it and you may get errors in understanding you live with those errors you have a choice and in the middle is what i call a hybrid model where you take the best of what the llms provide basically with word embeddings and other other capabilities and you include training which is also generated by the llms basically based on you asking it for specific type of training and very little training you are able to get almost a zero shot model kind of efficiency but with a much more high uh, highly accurate model specific to your business case and also so the, the first thing we do yeah. no no and also the control because you are reviewing the training and you are validating 
the outcome of it in the future, the hybrid model. Yeah. So that's the first step that we released with version 10, and that's in production. It's not in beta because I don't think anybody has had the time to do the regression and everything that you needed to do in order to get more features than what we put out so far. So very soon, in the next few weeks, we're releasing a whole slew of... Yeah. Sorry, uh, before that, we also have uh, launched the Knowledge AI uh, with LLMs in production already. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in that, uh, you know, uh, you could upload a document and uh, given a user input, we can actually uh, go find the answer, specific answer part of the document. And the answer can actually come from multiple sections across multiple pages of a document, same document, or multiple documents for that matter. And the answer can be generated with like, you can have uh, one uh, statement coming from one part of the document, another statement coming from another part of the document, and the generated answer would actually uh, give you a a complete answer to user's query. So that is something we've already uh, launched. Yeah, and in the next couple of weeks, we're going through some testing and things like that. We don't want to, we've come to a maturity point in our company that we don't want to rush and show something without it being able to be uh, put into production, basically. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, we are in the process of going through some testing to add a whole slew of features, basically both in the understanding side of things and the generation side of things, generating design, generating flows, generating phrases and message responses, generating code, generating uh, uh, the ability to branch out different flows uh, and a whole bunch of other things that we've been working on. So. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be showing a demo of all that in a few weeks' time when it's ready for prime time. Nice. Can you tell us a bit more about this word embeddings situation? I've never, I've never come across this before. How, how is it, it's, it's something to do with Core AI's NLU working in conjunction with an LLM? I think you might have even mentioned that it's nothing to do with an LLM. Like, how, how do these word embedding things work? Maybe Spasani, you could tell us. Yeah. So. So LLM, I mean, uh, LLMs typically learns uh, and creates a vector representation of whatever the understanding is, right? So that's actually is the word embeddings that we take it from LLMs when we do NLU tasks. So what Raj was saying uh, when we say it, uh, it's our um, uh, you know core AI is not using OpenAI LLM in the second case in the few short learning. Mm-hmm. We are using an open source based LLM, which we have fine tuned and created our own LLM. And uh, for the few short learning, what we do is we take the input and you know the intent names and training or whatever that is there. And uh, the embeddings from that fine tuned custom LLM, which we have built on, based on top of a, a open source LLM, uh, actually uses the understanding. And then when the user input comes in, I mean, embeddings is essentially a representation, vector representation of the understanding of the sentence. So when the input comes in, that also uh, embeddings of that input sentence is also generated at runtime, and they both compare, and we identify the most appropriate intent. So the accuracy of this uh, is as uh, same as that of uh, you know com- comparable to OpenAI LLM that matter. Mm-hmm. 
it is fine tuned for uh, intent recognition task and entity extraction task so the accuracy is very very high in fact uh, in our uh, um, you know benchmarks pretty much with no training by just using you know the purpose of the intent you can recognize the intent pretty much close to 90% plus and only right. the cases where uh, you would need a sort of sometimes your intent uh, users meaning of the intent is one thing but you want to do uh, the task that you want to execute in a bot will be different than an intent so somebody says uh, uh, something like um, i lost my card and it's supposed to instead of uh, you know just understanding i lost my card it's supposed to block a card for example that's your right. you know task that you execute for that intent right so that's the kind of mapping you just need to go and add it if at all right makes sense the um when i kind of look at this stuff and i look at this the few shot learning examples like the example you just shared there i remember at the back end of 2021 i was doing a lot of interviews with um like startup platforms that were focusing on kind of transformer based nlu systems and like zero shot bot and got it ai and a, and a few of those kind of you know startups that were really exploring this and as I kind of come away from the back end of 2021 and going into last year, I was thinking intents are not going to be around forever. And then part of my brain is saying, well, intents need to be there because in some instances, there's very specific data that you need to capture. There's very specific things that need to happen to follow a business set of business rules or process or whatever. But then I look at, you know, you look at sort of LLMs and open AI and you can basically kind of, feed it a few examples of the kind of things that the customer is likely to say, including potentially the actual customer utterance and say, what intent out of this list of 250 intents does this match to? And just have the LLM predict what that intent is going to be. Uh, in which case you basically, correct me if I'm wrong and it would be just to get your thoughts on it, but like potentially by using the LLMs in support, you could potentially do away with training data and that traditional intent model, unless I'm misunderstanding something, would you agree with that or not? No, no. I mean, I think I think what you're what you're saying is that can the LLMs predict with a high level of accuracy the intent based on a set of intents and a given utterance? And the answer to that is yes, except when it gets it wrong, basically. So again, an open source, I mean, an open AI type of LLM while highly accurate in most times, can be inaccurate very confidently in other times as well, basically, mm -hmm. because there's no control on that model. It's trained on world data. And, and so what we are suggesting, much like our thesis has been for many, many years, is a multi-NLU you know, approach, basically, to, uh, to this problem. So one is a very curated approach. One is a zero-shot zero approach with OpenAI. And the third one is a few shot approach, basically where there's less training, higher control, you're using word embeddings from an open source LLM, basically. So you're using the benefits of the underlying training data that goes into understanding the meaning. And you use the best of all three approaches for a particular use case, essentially. Right. It's a very simple use case, you know, then probably open, open AI will be perfectly fine, but there comes security and privacy concerns with that. There comes cost that comes along with that, essentially. And then it's, it's constantly changing. 
I mean, every week there's a new chat GPT version that's coming out essentially. So what works today? How do you know it's going to work a month from now? Basically. So mm. I believe that we're going into a world where while for a consumer, it may not be consequential to ask a question and get an answer from chat GPT for a business to get it wrong is more consequential. So using a platform like core AI, which gives you different models that you could, you could base your use case on and use the best of LLMs at the bottom of the stack is the way we think we think about it. So if you think about the stack, at the bottom of the stack, you have OpenAI as an LLM. I'm sorry, at the bottom of the stack, you have an LLM stack. You have OpenAI as one of those things in the LLM stack, but you have other open source engines as part of the LLM stack. There's a layer above that, which is a conversational AI LLM stack, which is what Prasanna was talking about, which is what we created. And then above that is are the things that you need to do. You need to do intent recognition, entity extraction, dialogue generation, dialogue execution, contextual NLP, basically, you know, message prompts, things like that, that typically make up a chatbot or a voice bot. And those three layers, the top layer exists in most platforms for conversational AI platforms in one fashion or the other. But having the top layer change to use the middle layer and the bottom layer is the key to success as we go forward. Mm. Very good. Yeah, just to add to that, Ken, I mean, I think there are cases where it could be uh, sort of intentless. Like for example, you know, answering questions from a document, right? So, you know, uh, previously you had to write all the uh, intents or the questions from the document, train it, and then let the answer come out of it. Now you could have put in, you know, just upload the document and let users ask the questions and start answering from the document. Well, again, I mean, if you have, want to have more control over it, there are enterprises which actually we are working with. They don't even want um, just directly answer from documents sometimes. They want us to first, you, you know, generate the questions using generative AI, of course. Generate the questions, generate the responses, let somebody review those, and then, you know, uh, keep the model such that without additional training, though, you still be able to go uh, answer from, you know, give an answer that was well-reviewed by someone else in the enterprise. Yeah, but, so in the, in, the, in the use case that I mentioned of that large financial services firm, advisory firm, you know, actually what they're doing right now is, first of all, to answer one of the questions that one of your uh, guests have asked, this is not a robo-advisor. This is not advising clients about portfolios and, you know, buying and selling strategies. This is a, a bot that's helping the financial advisor do things on behalf of their customers, basically. So in that situation, the first priority for, the, for that particular financial institution was, let's get a curated list of questions and answers, whether generated or not, that we want to make sure that these are highly accurate, basically. So if the financial advisor asks a question, he gets a very accurate answer from the core AI knowledge graph that they built on, on built this thing on. The fallback is to open AI from the documents that they've uploaded in and created a fine-tuned uh, LLM behind core AI. So the utterance comes into core AI, it goes to the curated model. If it gets a, gets an answer with a high level of confidence, that goes, it goes ahead and gives it to the financial advisor. If it gets with a low level of confidence, 
it goes to OpenAI to get it from OpenAI and provide that as an answer with a link to the document. So the financial advisor actually could go read the document if they want to. So that's the strategy they've deployed mm. right now, but going forward with our few short model that may change as well. Interesting. It is. It does seem to me as though like the, in the short term, the role of these LLMs in production is that kind of fallback. Because ultimately, that's when that's when conversation and I gets a bad rap. It's it's not when it works well. When it works well, it, it's it, it's very impressive. But most people have a problem when it doesn't work, and that's you know those instances where it doesn't work. Those long tail kind of uh, you know examples is where LLMs I think are, are more likely to be used. Where it's like you know, it's not something that's in the scope of the conversation. It's a last grasp at the, you know, last grasp kind of attempt to keep the conversation on track. Go to the knowledge base. If you can't find it in the knowledge base, you can't match it with the traditional NAU kind of fall back and, and you know, last kind of resort sort of thing, um, which I think is sensible in the short term. It'd be interesting to see how that sort of develops. And and another question from, from Anna, I think you probably got the one from Kerry. Another one from Anna is, as you begin to... to you know, have the these language models ingest data from the business and they're ingesting data from different sources, knowledge bases, documents, that kind of stuff. And then Prasanna earlier on you alluded to like, you know, what what could happen potentially is that two pieces of information from two different sources get returned in into one kind of response. The question mm-hmm. from Anna is, is um, I suppose, similar in a, a little bit to what Raj was just talking about in terms of if you were to merge content from different sources, one comes from a PDF, a bit comes from a knowledge base or from a website or whatever, how can, how have you thought about how, or how does this use case you've been referring to, how do they kind of verify that the response is a valid response to that query? So a couple of things here. So just to get, set some context, right? So um, first of all, the LLMs, even though they are trained with various different sources, we are going to only use the language understanding part of the LLM. So not necessarily the you know in you know data from where the LLMs have been trained with, right? So which means uh, whatever is needed to understand how the user query is created, structured, and what is the meaning of it what is the relevant uh, content from our own documents. Like when we upload a document for an enterprise, what is the relevant section of a document, relevant table of a document, a relevant page of the document that is you know, uh, more appropriate for the question. So that's, we only uh, use that understanding to find out the relevant pieces first. Now we get those sections. And those are shortlisted based on relevancy, similarity, and all of that. And then when we give it to generative AI, what all we are asking is now this is the answer. The, the answer is here. We just rephrase it to you know better suit the question. That's it. So content-wise, we can actually, uh, that's what we did with our knowledge AI, that the content boundaries doesn't deviate from the facts that are represented in the document it all the document that was uploaded by the enterprise. So they stick to the facts of the document. It's just the rephrasing of it to user's question and combining it, if at all, that information is found in, let's say, you know, if there is a two different um, feasors for, um, uh, you know, um, current account of two different types. And if the user asks, what is the, 
you know, uh, fees for current account. And there are two different types of current account. The, the answer can be there in two uh, different cells in a table. Now you can generate an answer saying one is 4.85%, another one is 1.7%, whatever, right? So that answer is a, um, a compositive answer, but it is actually factually coming from only the document. That's what we did. Yeah, that makes sense. How do you think that the influx of large language models will affect being able to analyze the conversations? So, for example, I think there's, there's, there's uh, I know Corey I has this capabilities, um, uh, but broadly, the third party tooling that aims to fill this gap seems to lack a little bit in terms of being able to look at 3,000 conversations and drill into those conversations to figure out what went wrong. Where did people get confused? Where were live agent escalations happening? Where is the kind of confusion in our model? You know, what is actually the business results of these conversations happening? And when you throw a large language model into that equation, although, you know, you know you're only using it to, to, you know, draw on content that's been approved and signed off, you're using it predominantly, which I think is smart, as a, as a last resort in live conversations. But still, there is an element there of a large language model that that does its own thing on occasion. So, have you have have you thought about like what is is will this change the way that analytics needs to be done when you insert large language models into the equation? In fact, we didn't mention it before, but uh, when we launched Tenno, we already introduced two new features, updated features rather, uh, yeah. with the help of uh, LLM. So, one is intent discovery feature that we introduced. So wherein, um, that's part of the tenor, which is already there in production. So we, mm. uh, you upload transcripts of uh, chat or voice, and then uh, you, you would then go analyze those transcripts and identify uh, intents that can be automated um, and even identify opportunities for automation based on, you know, how the conversations are there within the, you know, uh, within the transcript. For example, uh, there could be uh, a complex conversation like, you know, uh, 20 volleys between a customer and an agent. You know, that every such con every uh, conversation for such type of intent is very, very complex. Then that's not, you know, meant for automation. I mean, there could be 90% of the conversations which are, you know, two, three volleys, five volleys, six volleys, but they have a pattern in which the conversation is... Uh, sort of being achieved and the user is uh, acknowledging that they have fulfilled the request, those are the conversations we can actually identify and tell that, oh, these are opportunities for you to automate. And uh, we can even, um, you know, uh, show the sample flow for that conversation using generative AI because we already have those transcripts. So that is something that we already have in part of the um, our intent discovery module, and uh, we are continuously enhancing that. You could get more insights in, you know, off of it in terms of uh, yeah, these are the conversations where an automation could be required because you know there is a dynamic uh, elements that are the agent is giving that are specific to the user, uh, and we could even sometimes automate that, extract like what the values. Uh, represent against a backend system and then, you know, automatically generate the conversation for it as well. So that is mm -hmm. something we can do. 
And another module that we updated in Tano using LLMs is our conversational insights module. So the conversation insights is essentially a runtime analytics view of all the conversations the bot is handling with the customer. So what are, what is the purpose of it? Essentially, the kind of things that you are saying, like okay, you know, what are the conversations that the bot handled well? What are the conversations where uh, there are significant drop-offs? What are the conversations where the drop-off was, um, you know, previously, uh, you know, the bot model would recognize the intent based on whatever the training that was given. Sometimes that intent training could be a returning a false positive if a new utterance would have uh, been given by a user. Now, how do you, uh, you know, understand a false positive? That is because your training only says that that is the right intent, more or less. So mm-hmm. LLMs can actually help there to discover false positives because by meaning, they may be, you know, very um, different. And it can elevate those false positives and show it. So that's something that we have done wherein we now elevate the false positives from the conversation insights and if there are uh, conversation drop-offs and there is a probability of, uh, you know, incorrect intent, then that's something that you need to go and fix the conversation or uh, intent training, for example. Mm. Right? So, uh, similarly, you know, if there is a repetitive thing that is happening wherein customer is giving the input multiple times, but, you know, the body is not able to understand, these are some of the insights LLMs can provide. And uh, the bot at runtime can, um, you know, improve based on it. Mm. Nice. Nice. Yeah, that's really good. Because um, I think that the, yeah, the 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 requirement for analytics is uh, is definitely one that I think more and more teams are noticing they need. Um, and so, yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely good. What, at, what about the, um, the, some of the use cases that you mentioned there in terms of like generating start, starting conversations, generating things like training data for intents, generating things like response variations and stuff like that. All of that stuff is, is really good for the bringing down the sort of like time to value. You can get things up and running a lot quicker, but you're, but potentially underneath, underneath the hood, there is, you the usage of the underlying APIs sort of thing, so there's there's inevitably a value a value add for for getting up and running quicker. Is there a cost implication of using these APIs on an ongoing basis, and what does that look like when you reach kind of significant volumes? I know Corey, R, you've got clients that are doing you know millions of conversations per month on the platform. Is is there a consideration in terms of one hand there's a benefit to get to market faster potentially expedite some of the creation? Is there an impact on the cost of running production assistance using these massive language models? Yeah, no, absolutely. Let me let me get into that, and that's a very important factor. I mean, opening AI is expensive. You know, it's uh, two cents for the advanced model for a uh, thousand tokens, and each token is like four or five characters. So. If you only rely on OpenAI, which some of our competition is doing, basically to do everything, both in terms of understanding and generation, and basically relegate your entire platform to just being OpenAI, then you're essentially uh, reselling OpenAI, basically, and creating a framework on top of it. So if you remember when I said we have this three-stack model, at the very Mm -hmm. bottom we have an LLM stack, 
And one of those LLMs is OpenAI. And there's a bunch of other open source LLMs that are currently continually improving over time, probably catching up to OpenAI or doing some things better than OpenAI as time goes on. And this is an arms race that bottom layer is going to constantly keep changing in terms of capabilities. And then there's the middle layer, which is that conversational AI LLM that we generate, basically, which has business context, you know, user context, bot context, basically, to be able to uh, understand and generate certain things, which we don't have to go to the lower layer, basically. And then at the very top, you have the things that you need to do in terms of internet recognition, entity extraction, flow generation, things like that. So what we've done is we are looking for best of breed, basically, in each one of those elements. So we're not saying everything should go to OpenAI or everything should go to an open source under underlying LLM. What can do the best job at that moment in time? And is mm -hmm. an LLM even required for that job? So there's been a lot of thought put in, in our platform to say that, look, yes, the time to value, the speed to market, is improving with the help of LLMs. They do generate things. I mean, so customers don't have to come up with training utterances, come up with testing utterances, come up with uh, responses for that the bots give to the users, all these things, basically. But how do you protect privacy, security? How do you make sure that you're using the appropriate LLM for the appropriate task is what we have done. So far in version 10 is an initial version which uses LLMs. Now in the next version that's coming out in a few weeks time, you know, we are fleshing that out even more essentially. So if you use our few shot model, for example, your cost of uh, paying somebody like OpenAI or anybody else who you have to pay is almost negligible, basically. And because a lot of the internet recognition entity extraction is done by our conversational AI LLM. Basically. So depending on the use case, my my guess is that it's the 80-20 rule. 80% 80 of the use cases will not require heavy reliance on OpenAI. It may rely on OpenAI more at design time than at runtime. And design time costs are a fraction of what it costs you in runtime, essentially. So we are leveraging LLMs, you know, as much as we can and want at design time, basically. The, the key yeah. is at runtime, how do we protect the data? How do we not like use LLMs that are too expensive for tasks that other LLMs can do or we can do ourselves is what we've baked into the platform, if that makes sense. Mm. Very sensible. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I think there's this just this temptation that has, you know, on the one side, it's it's been very good to see what the impact of ChatGPT in particular has done to the AI industry. On the other side, you know, I don't know if you saw, there's a number of posts on LinkedIn. I've posted a few, which is just pointing out some absolute bullshit out there from from people who really just, it seems as though there's, there's, there's a few people who, who are running towards LLMs and ChatGPT as like the savior and solve for everything. But I think what this conversation here is kind of teaching me certainly is that, you know, of course, OpenAI's APIs are very impressive. They're very expensive, however, 
And also, you know, for example, we're having Nick Frost, the CTO of Cohere, is going to be on the podcast tomorrow. Cohere have got some fantastic LLMs. You know, there's a lot of other companies out there who've got very impressive LLMs that have been doing this work for a long time. And you're right, perhaps it's not about running to OpenAI for every instance. Maybe it's more about choosing what type of technology you need to enable that use case. And if it is an LLM, is it, do you need OpenAI or can you, can you get a better result with something else? And also design time versus runtime. That's a key element. Yeah, yes, of course, yeah. Because design time costs are nothing as compared to a runtime cost. The the bill runs up when you start using LLMs or even the paid LLMs for every everything that a user sees, essentially. Especially when you when you have customers like ours who have ten, fifteen million calls a month that are coming through. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. How are you thinking about some of the domain-specific assistance that you have? I posted something at the beginning of this year, first week of 2023, and my little kind of prediction is that we will begin to see these domain-specific NLUs really kind of take hold this year, especially in those areas where some enterprises, they don't really want to build a design team and have a full team supporting something that they haven't validated yet. Far easier to kind of bring in an assistant specializes in retail, for example, and just utilize that to get them up and running. Um, so my kind of little prediction was that the, the domain-specific NLUs will get traction this year. And I, I saw something from Sam Altman. Uh, it was a video on YouTube of a keynote that he gave at the back end of last year, and I saw it yesterday morning. And it was really interesting. It resonated because he was saying that one of the things he sees people doing with LLMs is building domain-specific knowledge on top of the LLM so that you have these domain-specific kind of language understanding components that you can then use, whether it's in a product or whatever it might be. Obviously, Core AI, you've got HR Assist, Bank Assist, Retail Assist, you've got some of this stuff already. How are you thinking about the way in which large language model-based technology will improve some of those uh, applications that you have? Yeah, so... So we are actually, uh, uh, my, you know, cre- now releasing or rather, um, yeah, working on a version for each of our solutions using LLMs. So there are multiple ways we are leveraging the LLMs. One obviously is, you know, the uh, the whole uh, intent understanding of the domain. It's they are now uh, for each of our solutions. We have actually fine tuned for the domain in terms of the intent understanding using the LLM. Uh, we built a custom LLM model, fine-tuned LLM model for each of these domains uh, based on the training that we already have and on top of the base LLMs. So that is one. The second element is uh, the entity extraction itself um, in terms of for each of these uh, domain uh, solutions, the entity extraction can get complex because the relationship between the entities are very specific to the domain. The business rules in how you want to extract the entities and um, execute the conversation, that also is very domain specific. So those are uh, those are getting represented in the fine-tuned LLM now and for the domain. So what will happen is now with uh, no additional training, you actually get pre-trained LLM for the domain for both intent recognition and entity extraction. And also uh, ability to understand the domain ontology in terms of like, you know, if you take ITSM, different types of applications and different types of 
uh, actions applicable on that, uh, you know, the software, hardware, things like that. So you can actually fine tune that uh, for ITSM per se, and that understanding gets expanded, not just as a generic ITSM, but also even to your enterprise knowledge base. So when you feed in the enterprise knowledge base, those fine-tuned relationships and understanding of the relationships is already there within the LLM. And then when we get the query done, that ontology is used to find the right answers from the documents. So you don't need additional training, which was required before. So that's how, I mean, these are the three areas mainly we are fine-tuning for the domain. Yeah, it's okay. And to put it, you know, in a, in a more, in a different way. Again, going back to the stack I mentioned, you have the low mm-hmm. base layer of the stack. The middle layer of the stack is that enterprise conversational AI LLM, basically. That's what we created in a platform that enterprises can create their own, essentially, for each use case. So uh, enterprise may have a customer service use case, an IT help desk use case, HR use case, and whatever. And much like today, where we have pre-built virtual assistants for each of those use cases, like bank assist for banking or retail assist for retail or whatever, essentially, we will be providing a pre-built retail assist conversational AI LLM that sits on that you know bottom layer of generic LLMs. Mm-hmm. So if you're a bank or if you're a retailer, you, you, you use that as your starting point, basically, and then choose which uh, intents you want to deploy. The integrations are already done, like our banking solution is already integrated to various core banking backend systems. So the API integration is already done. The retail assist is integrated to various uh, backend systems as well. So your speed to market is much faster. And we've taken care of the understanding and the generation layer by using the appropriate underlying LLM to give you the optimal outcome, basically. Mm. So the same benefit, except that now the solutions that we provide also are leveraging LLMs in addition to a platform. One important thing I also want to bring up, Kane, as you mm-hmm. get into this area of, okay, there are LLMs and you relegate some some things that the LLMs will do well and some things that the conversational AI platform will do well. We're a platform company. You know, we pride in, uh, pride ourselves in giving our platform to end users, you know, who can very quickly build a use case and get that into production. And we launched our platform in a, in a product-led growth model last year. We have about 15,000 customers now using it in our product-led growth model right now, essentially, and that's growing at the rate of about five to 6,000 users, I mean, accounts each uh, month right now. So the thought that we're putting in to make it easy for those users to leverage our platform, which in turn leverages the generic LLMs is the key element to the whole thing, basically. So the Mm -hmm. domain LLMs are a piece of that thinking and how we're putting it out as well. Very good. That, that's that's a good observation. That because one of the value points I think of a platform like Core AI is that it democratizes the creation to non-technical people. So previously, 2017, 2016, to create any conversational AI, AI you basically had to code. 
Then you have platforms like Core AI that kind of abstract that code so that non-technical people can create, but you still need to understand NLU systems. You need to understand conversation design, prompt design. You need to understand how to craft that customer experience. It seems as though now with the introduction of LLMs, which enables essentially anybody to just explain what they want to happen and have that happen, it potentially can democratize from your point of view, in terms of scale and the platform adoption wise, potentially this technology could help to democratize the creation of this stuff even further. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if for a particular use case, uh, let's say it takes 100 man hours or 500 man hours previously, you know, to build out that use case in terms of NLU training, testing, building out the flows, doing the integration with the APIs and all that. I would imagine with the way we have integrated the different LLMs for different of those things that you need to do to create a bot, basically it's cut down by at least half, if not more. You still have to do integration to your backend APIs, but you don't have to generate a lot of the training data. You don't have to generate a lot of the testing data. You know, And the way we have created this conversational AI LLM on top of the generic LLMs, a lot of that burden that would be on you, basically, is now you know, again, zero code, essentially. Mm. So I think we've taken it, you know, to some extent with a zero code platform. Now we are, we are supercharged with a zero code platform that leverages LLMs. Nice. Um, so what what do you think? So Prasad, maybe I'll ask this one to you, but I'll be interested in getting your thoughts as well, Raj. What do you wish LLMs could do that they can't currently Uh, well, I think, you know, the tasks that are there designed to do, I think they are, they are doing fine, uh, which is the language understanding and generation. I guess the amount of time it takes for you to uh, fine-tune a model or have LLM get itself fine-tuned to real-time contextual data is not realistic today. So mm-hmm. if you can imagine an LLM, which is, uh, you know, sort of has the whole language understanding with it, but at the same time has real-time information knowledge also with it, and then also can get um, context at runtime and to be able to, you know, adhere to that, that is something uh, that will be really useful in terms of a real, real-world use cases. Mm. What do you think, what do you you think know, Raj? What do you wish they could do that they can't today? Well, I know what they can't do. They can't answer my, your questions like I, I am doing right now with an avatar <laughs> representing me. But that's the key element, right? I mean, how far is logic um, evaluation Basically, a logical evaluation, I mean, logic evaluation, uh, can an LLM do? Because right now it's understanding and it's generation, right? You give it a prompt, it has a trained model with the vectors represented, it generates pretty good text, essentially, but it's not applying logic. Human mm-hmm. brain applies logic. You know, when I'm talking to you, I'm applying logic as I'm thinking and I'm answering you, basically. So the logical answer to a question in with the context that Prasanna mentioned, the real world context, 
like this is an interview by Kane Sims of me. Now, the next meeting I may go to is a customer, you know, in the telecom domain. And my answer to him would be contextual to, you know, his, his domain. Mm-hmm. So that that piece is the is the missing piece. I don't know if any LLMs will ever get there. I think you need to fine-tune generic LLMs for a long time to come, basically. Mm-hmm. But uh, an LLM, a domain-specific LLM like we are creating, will get you, you know, a large part of the way there. We still can't replicate business logic that still has to be represented by the business. Mm. That makes sense. It does make sense. I'm just wondering whether it whether it it will get there or whether it's some things are a step too far like i'm not a technician so to speak i'm not a technology sort of expert so i i, I kind of oh, i only know as much as my kind of brain will allow but from what i can hear from those that do know more than i do is that there are inherent limitations with transformer based models which a lot of these llms are based on and i think that's probably from my understanding is where a lot of that like hallucination stuff comes from and so for me, it seems maybe there is some inherent things. I don't know. What do you think, Prasanna? Is there some inherent limitations that will only take it so far until it's rethought in terms of how it's built? Yeah. I mean, the whole foundation of these LLMs is you know, when you train with the large text data, it is looking for patterns and deriving the understanding of it. That's all it is, right? So for that purpose, it is doing what it is designed to do. So I think what... What we are talking about is the next level wherein obviously that's probably not a role of LLM per se, I'm saying. So you could have the LLM and you would have a layer like what Raj was saying about, right? So those are the other layers that would put the LLM to use. But the purpose of LLM for language understanding, it is doing okay in terms of what it is designed for. And that should stay that way, I would say. And then how we use it should be something else that sits on top of it. Makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Uh, I was putting myself on mute there because the dog's going mental downstairs. Uh, but that makes that makes absolute sense. And so I think that's a good place. That's a good place to end. I think is um, you know at the moment LLMs are doing what they should do and they're doing it pretty well. I'm excited to definitely see uh, more coming from from Core AI as far as how you're utilizing LLMs and and all that kind of stuff in the platform. Definitely excited to see more you know, more testimonials from customers and more people who are beginning to use this in production. I think there's a slight apprehension on my side a little bit, which is that, you know, Raj, you alluded to it earlier on that, you know, 99 times out of 100, the LLM may classify an intent accurately, but once it might not, which is which is fine in terms of an NLU model, identifying intents, but is it fine from the point of view of generating customer-facing content and where can that go and stuff? So they're still kind of in the back of my mind and it's only because I'm exploring it and I'm not, you know, absolutely completely expert in this area at the moment. There's still a bit in the back of my mind which is thinking, what does this look like and are we, are we entering the unknown? But what I can say absolutely is it's massively exciting and the use cases that you've identified there seem to me as though you're kind of taking it one step at a time, finding the areas where it makes sense and where it can be added the most value without exposing or overexposing risk and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I'm excited, excited to see where it goes. Thank you both for joining me. Thank you, Kane. Nice one. 
Yes, definitely. Likewise, likewise. Uh, and for those of you still tuning in, uh, the little ticker at the bottom there is showing you where to go to get tickets to the European Chapel Summit. Uh, the VUX World Stage is going to be on 16th of March, presented by Core AI. It's going to be absolutely immense. Go to theeuropeanchatbot.com, use the promo code VUXEU23 to save 30%. And if you do want to go and have a look and test uh, the additions on the Core AI platform in version 10, you can go to core.ai, K-O-R-E dot AI. And I, I believe, actually, that you can just go there, you can sign up, and you can you can experiment with the platform uh, as it is right now. So there you go, core.ai. And let us know what you think. Thank you both, and Thank we'll see you, so you on the next one. Cheers. Yep. Right. Cheers. All the best. Bye.